Good evening, Sportzonians. How's everybody doing out there tonight? I am Mike Aglioloro. I am your host for this is Sports Zone. We're recording with you live like we do each and every week here via the I-95 Sports and Entertainment Radio Network. We got a good show for you tonight. And of course, we are rebroadcast, redistributed on all our various podcasting outlets. So we thank you for listening to us, no matter how you listen to us. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Anchor, Bullhorn. We thank you for listening to us. And like I said, we got a good show for you tonight. We'll be joined by Larry Schmelrose and maybe Dave Hastings tonight. And we got Eric Tressler here right off the bat. Eric, how you doing? I'm doing all right there, Steve Harvey. I sound like Steve Harvey. Yeah, it's exactly what Steve Harvey says before every single family feud is. We got a good one for you here tonight. Okay. I like Steve Harvey. I'll take that. And that's what he does. And then he says, over here, we got the Johnson family. And over here, we got the Riley family. You know, and it's just, that's, oh, we got a good one for you tonight. I could have sworn, I, 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 to be fair, I could have sworn I said we have a good show for you tonight. Because Yeah, same same thing. Same thing? All right, yeah. Listen, like I said, we got your good show for you tonight. Same thing. I can't but, do it with his accent, but I've always been a fan of Steve Harvey. So I like yeah, it. no, I think he's good stand up. Good stand up. Uh, yeah, and no, great. Uh, by the way, great on Family Feud, too, by the way. Oh, I bet. I mean, I, I've seen clips every now and then, and I have no doubt he kills it. I it just not really. He's my favorite it. host, to be honest, uh, of Family Feud that's ever hosted Family Feud out of all the other ones. I mean, Louis Anderson and uh, um, Ray. Ray Combs. Ray there Combs. you go. There's yeah. been a bunch of them out there. You know, but uh, I got to tell you, Steve Harvey, he's been my favorite one. You know, for years, there was a rumor that there was a curse on the Family Feud host. You heard that one, right? I heard it, but I don't know. Steve Harvey seems Yo, um, so broken. Al Borland from Home Improvement hosted Family Feud at one point, right? Richard Karn? Yes, he did. Yes, yeah, he did. But yeah, I got to yeah. tell you, it's still st- I'm, I'm sticking with Steve Harvey. He's my favorite. Hey, nothing wrong with that. Though Louis Anderson, underrated stand-up comic, too. And you, I know you watched the show Life with Louis when you were a kid, right? I've seen some episodes of Life. That was a fantastic show. That was an awesome animated series. Schmelrose is here tonight. Larry Schmelrose, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you, gentlemen? Not too bad. Not too bad. All right. Let's get started here. We got a lot to talk about from the NFL. So I guess what we will start with, the NFC Least. We come into the weekend. We come into week 17 of the NFL. And as it stands right now, you have the Washington football team and the Dallas Cowboys tied at a whopping six and nine for lead of the division and at playoff spot and home field advantage. The Giants apparently are not out of it yet at five and ten. So there's a big matchup between the Cowboys and Giants this weekend. Washington has a big game too, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. Are they playing Philadelphia this weekend? I forgot. They are. Can I can I just jump in real quick though? Go ahead. This super front, yeah, I, but I got to be honest. This this is the reason I didn't want the Giants to be in it because you were talking about the difference. I'm just going to throw this out before we get into who's actually going to win this division. But the Giants can either get if they win the division, they're probably going to get. I think it's the I think 19th pick. If to- they somewhere in that 19 like 20 range, if they lose the division, we could get as high a pick as number six. 
Well, this is why nobody wants the division this year, because I know me and Dave kind of feel the same way about the Cowboys. But but the one point I want to make is, and the reason that this is as important as it is, can you imagine the difference? And Fife, I'm going to point this to you in this giant defense you're ta- you've been talking about all year and how well they've been playing. Hey, how point, out, better, point out, point out, real quick. How, sorry, sorry, Eric. I know you're happy. Logan Ryan got his three year extension, right? No, I can care. I'm not. It's, it's, oh. I want to get to my point real quick. Hey, sorry, I, I sorry, mean, sorry. yes, I'm happy about it, but it's not. That's okay. Not all right. Go, no, go, go ahead. Go ahead. My but my point is that last year, winning that one extra game at the end of the year, which you never want to advocate for losing. Yeah. But that winning that one extra game at the end of the year, we ended up with Andrew Thomas instead of Chase Young. Instead of Chase Young. And Chase Young is going to probably be the defensive rookie of the year as uplifted that Washington defense. And just imagine what he could have done with this giant defense had they have not won that one meaningless game at the end of last year. So when I say that to you this week, I say it because let's not be honest. There is zero chance an NFC team, an NFC East team is winning the Super Bowl. I know you could say, get in, get yourself a chance. I get it. No, I agree but, with you. But <laughs> you are talking the difference in picking in the top 10 and the difference in picking in possibly the 20s. Mm-hmm. It is a big difference in draft, and especially when you're trying to build a young team. I don't know how important this game really is to win this week for the Giants. Well, I mean, Schmelrose, he directed it to you, so feel free to go ahead. I mean, yeah, from a fan standpoint, that's always how you look at it. That's how any fan looks at it. They're looking to next year because they don't have faith in their team. But from a management standpoint, like I've been saying all year, they're going to go out and play to win the game. And I don't even fault even them for it. One bit. I'm still going to right? I'm still going to sit there. I'm still going to watch every play. You asked me a question, and I'm answering it. So I still watch every play. I still root for my team, and I still want them to win the game. And you can't there's no other way about it. That's the way I root for my team. I watch every single down that I can. And I root for every single down that I can. And I want them to score on every play. I want them to win every game. I don't care what it means. You're telling me one year in the draft, I don't give a shit. But that's Make- all, but that's but that's but that's looking Come short-sighted. On. Yeah, I want to win everything and I want to No, looking short-sighted is looking at one pick in the draft thinking Chase Young would have added one or two more wins to this team this year. Listen, Chase Young would have made a big difference. He would have added one or two because the, the offense still wouldn't have been able to do shit. Not a goddamn thing, but, but run the ball and get eight stacked in the box. Potentially brought something to this team, which Andrew Thomas Which would have been two wins this year. Well, if I, if I may, if I may, I get the point Eric is making because a, a, a guy like Chase Young, who definitely seems like a cornerstone player, those type of players don't come around that often. And Schmel Rose, I get your point that it only would have added a couple wins this season. That's the guy you could consider a quarterstone for five, 10 years down the road. Everything goes right there. So, I mean, I get both you guys' points. No fan is watching the game hoping their team loses on that. Uh, I kind of got to go a little bit more towards Eric on this point, though, just because the point he's making is not that he wants the team to lose. 
he is trying to look towards the future a little bit because here's the thing. I doubt Eric would be in the camp of, you know, a tank for Trevor Lawrence or anything as much as, you know, and uh, that's obviously not a possibility right now. You I, you are not trying to say that Daniel Jones is the savior, savior of this franchise or anything, but say there's a really good defensive player. Defense has been your strength this year. Say that you got a really good defensive player who could fall into that six or seven pick range and be the guy who kind of uh, tamps that uh, puts that stamp on the defense for years. Mike, I'm going to go one better for you. I'm going to give you the guy they're talking about. If the giants were to lose this game this week and get that top 10 pick, the guy they would probably be targeting and to go to Fife's point of their offense sucking ass that their, their pick and what they might be targeting is Devonte Smith out of Alabama, number one wide receiver, and in the Heisman conversation with the type of season he had, he's the type of guy that could come in and make an immediate impact on the offense. When you're talking about the possibility of being able to draft, he, how like does that, he make an immediate impact on an offense that can't do anything else? They can't. They again, don't have you, anyone to throw him the football. The they have outside. no one to throw him the football. Saquon Barkley back. You can. You now have pieces that help Daniel Jones. Why aren't you trying? I think to they're better with Wayne Gallman. To be honest, I think they're better with Wayne Gallman. To be honest. So you want to talk about first round picks? Look at Saquon Barkley. I love the guy, but what has he done for him? Absolutely nothing. So if you want to sit here and tell me that one or two drafts makes a franchise, then you don't watch sports. I, I watch the New watch Jersey sports. Devils win three Stanley Cups. I watch the New Jersey Devils win three Stanley Cups, trading their first round pick every year. It doesn't but matter. Again, that's not you can build that's not a team. In football, I watched a team like the Kansas City Chiefs draft a guy like Mahomes, draft a guy like Tyreek Hill, draft a guy like Ta- Travis Kelsey. You can do it and build through the draft. This is. But the you NFL. don't have to. You don't have to lose games to build through the draft. You can build through the draft by being smart and drafting good players mid-late round. You yes, don't need you to do it in the first. How many top ten busts have I there been that. in our life? I get that. I get so listen, win the I game. I don't care. Do you trust the Giants brass right now to make any good decisions? Later in the draft than I do early in the draft. Absolutely. I don't trust them to make any good decisions right now. From Joe Judge down. Joe Judge has proven to me the last three weeks that he's, that he's not that He's good. a rookie he head coach. There. He had a four-week run where he looked pretty he's good. He's a rookie he head coach. To believe. Outside of that, I got to tell you, I, I don't trust any move that Gettleman's going to do or Judge is going to do come this offseason. If I may. So then why do you want them to have a top 10 draft pick? Why would you trust them with that then? I don't understand. Because I trust the talent, and eventually Gettleman's going to be gone and Judge is going to be gone. They're not long-term people here. If, if I may, if I may, just a couple, couple little things I want to throw in here. Eric, if you were going to go to a position group to target on that, I kind of question your choice at wide receiver on that one because a, a guy like a Larry Fitzgerald who's a top 10 giraffe pick, that comes along once in a generation, really. You look at some of the wide receivers who've been picked in the top 10, and I my mind goes immediately to the Detroit Lions under Matt Miller. Like, immediately that's where it goes to. Number two, you brought up – uh, But wait, let me just say this real quick. You brought up the – ch- that's fine. That's fine. You could you could say it in a second. I also want to go to your second point about the Chiefs. Mahomes was a first round draft pick. 
I think you kind of made a little bit more of Schmel Rose's case by saying that though Tyreek Hill was a fifth round draft pick. Travis Kelsey was a third round draft pick. But you I, can build through the draft. I'm just saying no, you, but you have a better chance of building through the draft if you have a better pick to build with. That's all I'm saying. No, no, no. This and week, then, yes. Would I love to win a division and get a chance in the playoffs? Hell yeah, because anything can happen in the playoffs. I watched a nine and seven giant team go in as a wild card and win the whole thing mm-hmm. and beat a beat an undefeated Patriots team. I've seen it happen. So I know anything can happen once you get to the dance. What I'm saying is the Giants don't it's not just a win and you're in scenario this weekend. They would also need a lot of help from Washington having to sure, lose sure. when they're getting back this week, Alex Smith. They're getting back people this week off. They injury. may not be getting Alex Smith back this week. They may be going with that undrafted guy. I can't remember. Maybe, but from what I'm hearing, I thought I heard that Smith was trending. It's on- not, I, I heard the exact opposite, tell you the truth. That might have changed. I'm pretty sure. Sure, just just so you guys know, as long as Dwayne Haskins is an under center, I am pretty sure that the Washington football team wins this game. I so it's not going to matter anyway. Mm. But um, I'm I, still going to root for the Giants to beat the Cowboys because that's well, who I am. Let me just throw this in there. Eric, I get your point that the higher the draft pick, the better the chances. But I also see Schmelrose's point here that it doesn't necessarily matter when you pick in the draft. If you have the right scouts and you make the right pick, you can get that right pick in any round, really. I mean, you look at the team. But again, how many many Belichicks are there out there? It's not just Belichick, though. It's not just Belichick. Look at what the Steelers do with their draft. But that's what I'm saying. There are teams out there that can do it. The Chiefs haven't been a team the last 10, 15 years that can do it. I think their biggest problem is the Giants going to the draft with this mindset that they need to use the draft to fill holes. And that's ridiculous. Everybody everybody does that, though. That's stupid. You know what Bill Belichick does? You know what the Pittsburgh Steelers do? They draft the best player available um, and they figure it out. Well, I don't and know. That's if, why they're successful. I don't know if that Belichick, I agree with. But wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't know if Belichick is the best one to use that as an example. His drafts the last five years have been terrible. Like how many guys have he's picked in the last five years who have really right made now. an impact? Yes, look at exactly. Their team right Thank you for making my point for me. That's not well, the look example at their team you want without to use. Brady too, by the way, because Brady then went to a team that didn't make the playoffs last year down in Tampa with Jameis Winston and was able to make them a playoff team this year. So as much as you could see the decline in what happened in New England this year, I'm also going to put a hell of a lot of that on the Brady factor because you could see what Brady can do in almost any offense under any coach now because now he has proven he can do it outside of New England. And I'm not going to say this is all just on the Bucks defense. There are plenty of times, including this last week alone, where he played really, really well. Um, yes, he has great weapons there, but and probably better weapons there than he may have ever played with, in my opinion, outside of maybe Randy Moss with in in New England. It's the Brady's factor, though, in my opinion. It just goes to show you that if if they win at least a playoff game or two, or or maybe even get to the champion like the NFC Championship game. That kind of solidifies, in my mind, Brady, and I hate to say it, but Brady's probably would be cementing his place as the greatest of all time without anybody really being able to question it. Well, we and I can tell you exactly what that's going to come down to. It's going to come down to a playoff game at Lambeau Field. 
Well, let me ask you something real quick. Are we moving off the Giants? Because I got something I want to say about that with the Brady. Yeah, we can move off the Giants. We talked enough about them. I mean, we should talk about the division and we should pick a division winner because let's be honest. I mean, everybody outside of the Eagles has a chance this week. I mean, personally, I happen to think that the Eagles are going to fold again this week and and give it to Washington. But if they don't, listen, like I said, I would give the Giants a punch and chance against anybody in the playoffs, especially teams they might have played once already this year. If you have t- film on them, t- tape on them, Joe Judge is any kind of good coach, you know, they should be able to put some kind of game plan together. So I'm not going to rule out the possibility. And listen, if I, believe it or not, I am going to root for the Giants to win this weekend because, hell, I always think there's a chance if you can get into the big dance. And I think it'd be hysterical if a 6-10 and 10 team made it past one game in the playoffs. But, uh, you know, it would remind me that year, what, the Seahawks beat New Orleans as like a 7-9 and nine team? 7-9, and nine, yeah. Yeah, so, so I mean, it would, it would be reminiscent of that. But I got to be honest, I just think that the Eagles are going to do what the Eagles do and find a way to screw us, and, and Washington's going to get the win, and it's going to become a move. Well, let me, ask you, let me ask a question about that. So the Giants, I take it, own the tiebreakers over Washington. If Washington, yes. If Washington and the Cowboys tie at the same record, who gets the tiebreaker? I believe that they need Washington. Dallas needs Washington to lose. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with Washington on that one. I'm going to say they're going to take it. I'm with Washington too. Yeah. Nobody is surprised by me taking Washington on that one. But anyway. um, Just to conclude mine and Eric's big argument there real quick too. The funny part about it is, is that like, you know, he argues that the pick is important and da 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 and da 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 And then on the back end, he's like, I'm still going to root for the Giants. And then I argue that I'm always going to root for the Giants and winning is always going to be more important to me. But on the back end, I have to say, I mean, I would love a top 10 pick, but I'll never, ever say that I want my team to lose for one. You know what I mean? If I can put a button on this, too, I want to say. Um, I lean more towards Melrose's camp in terms of it doesn't matter where you pick as long as you hit on the pick. To go back to what Tressler was, uh, Eric was saying, though, uh, I get why you have no faith in this front office to hit on those draft picks, though. And I <laughs> I might change my tune if they change the GM or change the coach. I may Well, that's what I was going to say. Before, who they bring in. <laughs> before but I started right now, choking, I, no I was going to say the guys that. They yeah. have in the front office. Listen, before I started choking over here, that was what I was going to say. I still think Gettleman should not be the GM after this season. And if they get a different GM, one who's got a little bit more of a background in terms of player scouting, player development, that whole thing, then maybe you get a little bit more confident in that one. So, all right. Hey, listen, uh, you know, like, I know Eric H. Judge. I'm on the fact, like, my whole belief is that I think this is one of those times, one of those rare times where you can bring in a new GM with a young head coach. He's got to learn from what he did in his first year. That's If you listen to any rookie head coach after their first year or their first tenure, this mm-hmm. is the key. Okay, Their first tenure, they tell you, they look back and they see everything they did wrong. That's their whole tenure it takes them to figure it out. Mm-hmm. I think they give him a year. And if he figures out what he was going to make mistakes, we all knew it. He's a rookie head coach. Sure. I like what he's done. I like that the players are now held accountable. Okay. From what I understand, the helmets and shoulder pads are hung up. And I know people don't think that's important, but it's accountability. And accountability equals winning. It's progress, not perfection. That's all we're looking for. And I think that a new general manager, possibly somebody jumping ship from the Patriots organization, like I just see it happening. 
they're on their way down. And they've been loyal to Kraft for a long time while they were winning. But when the chips are down, I mean, I don't know. You know, the roots, we'll see. But I think a, a new GM can work with this coaching staff. And I know a lot of people don't think that, but I think this is one of those rare cases. And I've always been one for fire the coach. Like, I wanted to fire McAdoo. I wanted to fire Shermer. Well, they sucked. Immediately. They were horrible. Yeah. I don't think this guy is is that. I think he's got control of his team, and that's what's important to me. Mm-hmm. No, listen, uh, Eric. I know you're not going to like this. I kind of, I, I kind of think Judge is a good coach. He's made some mistakes over the last couple of weeks, but I agree with Schmel Rose. I think those are rookie mistakes that he can break out of. I do think whatever, whichever general manager comes in is going to be inclined to keep judge for at least one or two more years. If that does happen though, next year is very important in his development. Here's though. the problem I got that. though with all the progress you're saying you're seeing in judge and what you like. I know to it's see, not, like, it's not like a that? winning record. I know that's what you're going to say. Right? Not only is it not a winning record, it's not really an improved record either. It's not even like you could say, well, he took a zero win team or a one win team to now a five win team or a six win team. No, he's taking a four or five win team and making them a four or five win team. I just don't. How many wins see- did you think they were going to have before the season, though? But I think we we went over this. I don't know. We can go back to that show. I, 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 I the predictions, I but I'm no. I'm going to say I think I predicted, I think I predicted the Giants maybe around seven and nine. I feel like somewhere in that ballpark. Like I don't I'll feel. Ta- like I'll, ta- I'll, ta- I'll take your word on it. I don't remember. But again, I don't remember. I remembered. I I thought it was going to be. I thought the Cowboys. If I'm not mistaken, and again, I could be a hundred percent wrong, but I think I had the division flipped, and I thought I had like the Eagles and the Cowboys fighting it out, with the Giants Probably. and the Redskins fighting it out at the bottom. Is the way that's, I saw it. I that think that when right. we, it sounds about right, right? Because that's where yeah. I felt, kind of felt like I saw it, and now it's kind of flip flopped where the Eagles kind of took a step back. The Cowboys really after that Dak injury, I mean, that really kind of sidelined their season. And, you know, they the fact that all of these teams are still in it is is just mind boggling to me. Yeah. It's 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 unbelievable. But uh I, well, I'll tell you yeah. what, before we move on, I have a question for you because one of the uh, photos you had texted me earlier. Do you really think there's a chance Dwayne Haskins winds up in a Giants uniform? No, not at all. I don't know what Absolutely the headline not. or anything was on there, but no, I, I just, just saw I, that I just photo. I wanted to ask you about saw that. Haskins got released. So yeah. I just thought that was, you know, something worth worth at least mentioning today, you know, and obviously we do, you know, kind of when we're talking here about the skins, but uh, or, uh, the, the, the well, football team, the, the football team now, but yeah. you know, it's yeah, it just, I, I don't know. I, I just think that the, it's this whole year has been crazy. Yeah, so, like exactly. I said, division's kind of upside down. But I, you know, the Jets kind of right around. I think where I thought they'd be. You know, I thought they might have had one more win or two. But you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's 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 weird, right. weird year. Well, I want to go back to the the Brady thing you guys were talking about real quick because I I have a thought here, and I want you guys' opinion on this. I feel like at the beginning of the season, and maybe this isn't maybe this isn't groundbreaking. Maybe this is an obvious statement. I feel like there was more pressure on Brady to deliver with the Buccaneers than there was for Belichick to deliver with the Patriots. Because Brady goes to a team that already has really good weapons in Chris Goodwin, Godwin and Mike Evans and Ronald Jones and a really respected head coach in Bruce Arians. And then the team adds 
Shady McCoy and Leonard Fournette, and they trade for Rob Gronkowski. And then middle of this season, they add Antonio Brown just because Brady likes him. Pretty good offensive line, pretty good defense. They've looked horrible in some of the losses they've had, especially to the Saints. But the fact is, you take a team with that much talent, and then you add Tom Brady to it. And I feel like if they don't make the playoffs with that much talent, everybody's looking at the situation like Brady's career is over. So I feel like there was more pressure. And then you look what Belichick came into this season with, loses his quarterback, loses 10 players off his roster because they opt out of the season because of the virus and everything. I just feel like there was less pressure on Belichick than there was on Brady. But I, I want to hear what you guys think about it. Like no, I, said, I, I uh, not jumping first, but yeah, I 100% agree with that. There was definitely more pressure on Brady, but I think Brady stepped up to the pressure. Sure, they're sure, sure. Gonna be a, uh, they're what, a 10 and 5 right now, I think. Yes, yes. I mean, they could be, a, you know, an 11 and 5 team, 10 and 16, first year there, new coach. New weapons. First time he's played anywhere outside of New England, and mm-hmm. the pressure I, I, I 100% think was more on Brady than it was on Belichick. Because to be honest, Belichick's legacy is what it is. He is, you know, had one of the greatest coaching dynasties you could probably have there and, with the with the Patriots over the last 20 years. And, and just to piggyback, that, the, the rest of his record's been spotty. But for those 20 years, he was one of the greatest coaches, if not the greatest coach in football. So, I mean, he's, he's kind of spent it. Only the second season since he's been with the Patriots in these 20 years that he's finishing a season under 500. Yeah. And only the third season he's missed the playoffs. Yeah. That's how how good and consistent he's been. But then you think about him with the Browns. You think about him, you know. They they made the playoffs. They did make the playoffs with him. Yeah. Yeah. I believe it or not, they did. Yeah. But you know, he, he his legacy is cemented. He he's been around longer. He was a part of that Parcells tree, and you mm-hmm. know, being there with the Giants and all that. So I mean, he has that other pedigree to him. So I mean, this is this was Brady's to to really go and sink. It was his reputation sure. more than Belichick. So I think he did nothing but to help his reputation, in my opinion, Brady and. I actually, you know, think that this is going to turn out to look more favorably on Brady in the history books than it will probably on Belichick later on. But I, I definitely think that Brady definitely had more pressure, but he rose up to the pressure, in my opinion, especially after I think they had what, like kind of like a little bit of an iffy start, maybe three and two start, something like that. You know, some, like season. I said, they their losses, they have looked but very it takes bad a couple weeks losses. to get new and used to everything going on. Listen, well, they also had a the lull in the middle of the season there. Like, I'm trying to look up the schedule real quick. But they had a few weeks in the middle of the season where you thought, all right, maybe the wheels might fall off here. Yeah, and they didn't. I got to yeah. be honest. You know, there was a couple see, a couple weeks there where you were hearing all Brady's arm strength and all Brady's yes. just not yes. the same. He hasn't looked the same. But he's fought through. He's got that team on the right, right mindset, and you know they're winning ball games right now when it counts, and they're going to be in the playoffs. So I think he rose up to the pressure he was facing, but he was definitely facing more pressure. But mm-hmm. we'll get uh, we'll get Shamel Rose's opinion yeah. here. Just to uh, just to go through their schedule, they started off the season three and one. They lost the first game of the season to the Saints, won their next three. Then they lost to the Bears, won their next three, lost to the Saints, beat the Panthers came back very strong against the Panthers. Then they lost their next two games to the Rams and the Chiefs, and now they've won their last three. So, Shamel Rose. 
I mean, I think when we watched that team last year, we thought if they had anybody but Jameis Winston, uh, they would have been a great playoff team. They had it, dude. They they had all the pieces. What they were missing, I think, last year was a quarterback. Now, this year, some things changed. They added pieces to an already strong roster with Tom Brady. I mean, it's kind of like what the New York Rangers used to do, except it's working out. You know, I hate to keep going back and forth to hockey, but Tom said it himself this week. He's like, you know, everybody thinks you take this talent, you put it in a locker room, and it's just going to take off. Yeah. It's not like that. You know, Mm -hmm. you need to mesh and gel. And here's what happened. Tom saw the writing on the wall in New England. Right. You mentioned it earlier, the five horrible drafts. Uh, you know, he saw it. He's like, Tom would not have won with that team they had in New England this year. And he knew it. That whole if the two of them lost together, that whole that as bad as they were going to lose this year, that whole entire legacy thing would have been out the window. So to save the legacy, Tom went to Tampa. Now, Bill and Tom were are cemented. They never had that year together you know, that they would have had this year. Mm. It would have happened. There's no way. Tom Brady would not have been able to will this New England's Patriots team to any type of winning record. So their whole legacy would have been crushed. So that's why he went there, and they put the pieces there. So now he's going to go, and instead of win a Super Bowl, if he wins a Super Bowl with this team, let's say that happens. Instead of doing it with Bill Belichick, he's then going to go do it with a superstar roster. So you're still going to – I'm not going to question it. I think the guy's a great quarterback. Do I think this team they have right here is undefeated with Aaron Rodgers? I do. Do I think Justin Herbert, a rookie, could have this team to a winning record? I do. So we'll see. I think a lot of people are still going to question, is he the greatest? I don't. You win rings. You win that many rings, you're the greatest. Nobody else has them. Nobody else can fill every finger. You know, it's just – but there are going to be people who question him because he did it with Bill and then he did it with a superstar roster. They just, when people get to this fame and they're this big and they're this good, there's always going to be people who say this should have happened, that should have happened. Unless Tom Brady went out and won with the New York Jets, uh, it just wasn't going to happen. You know, there's always going to be somebody questioning. And that's sad to say. I don't think anybody really can have this. I would, I would honestly ever see those memes of the guy sitting here on the, at the table saying, change my mind. I would dare anybody who's not a – like, I'm not a Patriots fan. I'm not even a Brady fan. But I can't sit here and tell you that he's not the greatest. He is. I can't. I, I, I'm Manning, with you. Better than Eli Manning. Better than any quarterback out there. And even though Eli beat him twice, and I love to mention that every chance I get in the biggest games out there. He's still the best. It is what it is. So I agree I mean, with you 100%, but somebody's still going to come up to that table those and they're going to tell you you're wrong. Honest. Those people are It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Can I just tell those people to their face they're stupid and to go away? Well, can I just, those are the same people who keep comparing LeBron James and Michael Jordan. They're different players. They're yeah. both the greatest of their time. Can different just, players neither. from different let me, generations. Let me just it's the same thing. Out. You can't compare Wilt to Michael either. Wilt was the greatest, I think, of his generation. He didn't win as many titles as Russell, but he was able to put up numbers that have never been seen in the NBA since. Mm. 50 and 25 seasons. I mean, that were, I mean, did he even think about that? 50 points and 25 rebounds per game for an entire season? Sounds mind-boggling. Can't think about it, but he did it. But again, you can't compare those numbers to Michael Jordan's numbers or even LeBron's numbers. So I 100% agree with you when you say that 
I can't necessarily compare Joe Montana to, to Tom Brady. I can't compare. I don't think there's equal comparisons because they didn't play in the same time period. So I definitely agree with you there that, you know, it's hard to judge, you know, and nobody should be putting Michael Jordan against LeBron James or, you know, even Tom Brady, I don't think against a guy who I used to consider the greatest of all time and Joe Montana, you know. Four Super Bowl, four Super Bowl MVPs. They're, they're both right up there. They're on the Mount Rushmore. They're there. You you can't deny these guys' greatness. There's there's only a few of them, and they're there. Well, let me two things real quick. The only guy you can bring to the table and compare to Brady is Montana. If that's who you bring into the table, I that, that that that's pretty good. That's pretty good company right there. I'll just say that. And the reason why people will still make the argument that Montana is better than Brady undefeated in the Super Bowl. That's the reason. That's a pretty good reason. I'm not going to stand here and be like, because listen, Montana was a little bit before my time. Okay. We all grew up. We watched Michael Jordan. We've watched LeBron James. That's why we get to say, sorry, LeBron, you're never going to top Michael Jordan because we've all watched that. I'm not going to stand here and be like, "I I saw Montana in his prime. But from everything I've heard, there's a comparison there. Now, I'm not, I'm not, Going back on what you guys said about Brady being the greatest, I'm just saying there's a there's a little bit more of a case between Montana and Brady than there is with LeBron and Michael in my eyes. Either way, pretty good goddamn company. Pretty good company. And listen, since you brought in the San Francisco 49ers and Joe Montana, I just want to say I've always had this opinion that Jerry Rice will be the last greatest of his generation wide receiver. Because he set the president, you know, the precedent on how they work today. I think if Jerry Rice played today, he'd be the number one receiver on his team. But nobody would talk about him like they do now, you know, because back then nobody worked like Jerry Rice. Like all That's these fair. guys work like that every single day now. Nobody because, worked like Jerry back then because, because, of, they, because of Jerry Rice. Right. Right. So that's what makes him, in my opinion, the greatest receiver of all time because he changed the way the position was played. And can right? I just say, closest thing to him in my eyes, Larry Fitzgerald. I mean, class. I'd give him on a class level. Mm. You know, Fitz I mean, is good I would in say the years. I would, t- I, w- I would put in that class the guy who taught, you know, Larry Fitzgerald when he was younger. As his dad was a reporter there, Chris Carter. Chris Carter. But you I think as far guy, as I like – As Carter far as if you go to – Jerry Rice played Carter caught everything field in LA with the Raiders. That was, I mean, unprecedented in its own right too because Tim Brown was, I mean, phenomenal. And then you got Jerry Rice. I mean, that was two of the greatest receivers of all time playing on the same field as each other. I mean, there was mm-hmm. there's some good receivers. I wouldn't say like, yes, Jerry Rice is the most – remembered and i think he will probably be the most remembered receiver for a long long time because let's be honest he's he's the greatest ever but there are other great you know again it's the same i think brady's the greatest ever i could say jerry rice i think is the greatest ever i think there are different players for different positions i think each position might have their Mm -hmm. greatest ever but you know that's what i mean the great i'd I'd say jerry rice to me is the greatest wide receiver ever just because he changed the way everybody trains for the position you know what I mean? Like he changed the way it was played. And to me, that's huge. That's why 
to me, if somebody ever even came close to Wayne Gretzky's records, unless they change the way the game is hockey, the hockey is played on their own, because that's how he did it. He changed the way the game was played. So the fact that Jerry did that with his work ethic, to me, makes him, you know, now that every receiver is Jerry Rice-esque. That's what you would say. When you were throwing balls up to each other uh, in, in playing football in the yard, man, you were saying, you know, and you were jumping up in your buddy's arm after you caught it, you were saying Montana Rice. Every time. Oh, yeah, but um, I'm not going to lie. I was there is one other guy I'm going to mention. One Michael other guy Irvin. I'm going to mention because I think that he brought on a trend of other type of receivers, not necessarily a Jerry Rice type receiver, but of maybe a Megatron, of a, you know, that kind of receiver. And I'm going to go with the other guy there up, up in Minnesota, and I'm going to go with Randy Moss. When he came on the scene, yeah, was able to do yeah. some of the things he was able to do with those deep balls and everything else, the way he was able to go up and get passes and take them away from defenders, the way that they were able to use that bat. You know, I, I just think that he – was the predecessor for a Megatron and, and DK Metcalf and all these other guys that have come after. I think that they more mimic Randy Moss than somewhat than, than they do Jerry Rice. Now they may pick up on Jerry Rice's work ethic and his work ethic is second to none. Everybody's heard about his training and his, uh, you know, what he did to get ready and everything. I think that is unbelievable. And anybody, everybody can learn from that. But as far as style of receiver, I think especially for some of the bigger receivers in the league, those guys that got like a DK Metcalf, like a Megatron, even to, to that extent, sometimes even like a Larry Fitz earlier in his career, I think they more mimic a Randy Moss. Well, Moss is a good one. I thank you for bringing that up because I did forget about that. I definitely put him in that class too. We're naming all these wide receivers. I'm not saying that he's like one of the greatest or anything. I would put him in the top 10, top 15 He's my favorite wide receiver of all time, and I just want to say his name. Michael Irvin. Michael Irvin. Oh, I'm with you, dude. I love the playmaker. I hate it. Hey, I hate it, but I'm with you because I got to say, dude, if you want to talk about guys who have reinvented, Michael Irvin started that attitude error, in my opinion, at least from what I can remember. He put the attitude on on the wide receiver game. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, not a lot of guys played with the flair of Irvin. Like, you had to know, like, when you play against a guy who, when he beats you, is going to constantly tell you about it, it fucks with your head, man. I'm not He was a tough son of a bitch, too. He was a tough son of a bitch. And so I'll give him that. He was a good player. He was a great wide receiver. um, And he did kind of bring that attitude era out of the wide receivers where, you know, they play with a flair and a style. Um, That's part of the reason – I hated the Cowboys diva, growing up because I, I thought they yeah, were showboats. What you're looking for is diva. I don't know because he no, played he tough. Wasn't, he he wasn't played tough. He wasn't diva to me. The first diva to me was T.O. Yes, yes. When he became T.O. Michael yes. Irvin was the predecessor to a T.O. You never the, heard about he a holdout. You never heard about a holdout. You never heard he was a bad teammate or anything like that. I disagree entirely. The whole the whole Cowboys team was was a criminal act back then. Oh, stop. <laughs> True, stop. but that was a different era. Oh, you know the, the whole, I, just, I mean, you could say the Oakland Raiders. point out one thing. The Oakland Raiders were a biker gang at one point. That's fair. Can I point out one thing? Yeah, all right. They caught Michael Irvin in the hotel doing cocaine. They caught him in the hotel doing cocaine after he won the Super Bowl. Not before, after. 
That's hey, when you so party so after you so win the game. So he subscribed to the Lawrence Taylor method of doing coke. You only do it after the game. You don't do it during the game. And you that's show pretty up good at 6 company. A.m. You get ready. You, get, you play your game, and then you go out and you do your coke afterwards. That is great company, though. Michael Irvin, Lawrence Taylor. You're talking that's the awesome. '90s, man. You're talking the '90s. Thank you, Schmelrose. Yeah. And to be honest with you, it's just as prevalent now. You just you don't hear about it. Which, which is, I, I would like to ask you guys about something if you think about later it, on like, down the road. I, I just I just want to say, Schmelrose, that's insane when you think about it because we live in a Twitter age and a social media age. You would think we would hear more about that. Well, I mean, you do. You get you get your you get your post about you know whether it's. Uh, Odell Beckham, you know, in the with the girl, you know, in the Haskins or whatever. In the strip you get, club. Yeah, you, you get yeah, you get all sorts of stuff. You know, you get you get different. You get Dwayne Haskins in a strip club. You get you get James Harden in a strip club. You get you get these guys out there doing their stuff. I mean, it's it still gets caught. It's still out there. I think what Schmelrose is saying, and I kind of agree with you. You would think it happened. It would happen more where these guys get caught. Can I ask you a question? Maybe they got smarter about it. Go ahead, Schmel Rose. How do you guys feel about this? Because I honestly think it's an amazing policy. Uh, I think it's groundbreaking, and every league should do it. The NHL only tests for performance-enhancing drugs. That's it. They do not no, I anything that will. You should be tested for heroin and other things. There are things. Right. Heroin. Uh, There's some things dude, out there you should test. If for. you're doing, if you're doing those, test for coke. I get that. If you're you doing meth and heroin, you're not playing in the on. NHL. You're buddy. not playing in any sport. I, I mean, I'm. So, I yeah. I, like if you're there and you're doing that. You're not going to be there very long. I'm just or saying that's you a, never that's make just it my there. Personal opinion. That's just my. Opinion. I, I agree. I, I mean, I understand the heavy understand ones the and things coke, like I that. I understand the weed. You don't want to that. I get it. Outside of that, everything else should be tested for because. But that's what I'm saying. Like, think yeah. about these, like Ricky Williams, like all these. There's well, Josh no, no, the NBA. So, I believe think came about the good players. Yeah, no, no, no. The the NBA is doing that. They're moving. The NBA away did from the same that, thing. Yeah. They they came out. Like, a couple months ago, or even or a month or so ago, yeah. and said that they were only they were going to suspend their uh, their testing for for the 2020 2021 season because of everything going on, but also yes. because of the social justice and this and that. But yeah, they're doing the same thing. Well, they're not going to be tested so and that kind of shit. I had no idea that this was a policy in the NHL for a long time, you know. And for me, it's like, listen, if I don't care what you do when you go home, as long as you're not doing something that makes you play better. And, and what do you do in your own time is none of my business. I've always felt that way about employers. Um, I think Eric, you're right. When it comes to a general employer, they should test for meth. They should test for heroin, like the heavy shit. When you're talking about an NHL team, it's NBA, NFL. Like that's to me is a, a waste of money. Unless like, you know, there's something going on within your sport and you're trying to catch it to help people. But other than that, like if there's not something happening there, I, I, I've known heroin addicts. I've known people who've done a lot of meth in their lives, and I could not see any of them even thinking about uh, doing anything other than that. You know what I mean? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw one name out at you. Just one. Maybe you know it. Maybe you don't. And I know it's not necessarily, uh, you know, you're, the, the sport you like to Can watch. I that guess? Often, but Can I guess? I'm going to say Lamar Odom. Ooh, Lamar okay. Odom is, was a high-functioning drug addict for a long time. That is not I where function. I thought you were going with that. What was he doing? He was do doing mean? he was doing heroin at one point, wasn't he? Yeah. 
Yeah. I have no idea. I'm, I have nothing he did, on it. He, he was doing some of the worst shit he could do while banging all the crack whores he could. It was, it and was that's a just the Kardashians. He's he's better now than where he was, but I couldn't imagine the, him playing in the NBA and them not being able to test for that. Like that, like there are some people out there that believe it or not, it is a rare occasion. It is not everybody. It's not that they're going to catch people every year doing it either. It may be one person every ten years that they get caught that gets caught doing it. But if it saves that one person every ten years and they can get that guy some help, I'm all for it. I don't think there's any reason these teams and these leagues make, they print money. They make so much money. Mm. They can, they can afford the little bit extra for the extra test test for the hardship. That's my opinion. Dude, if they're, if they're doing it to help and and save the player, as opposed to uh, just shun him from the game, I'm all for it. Listen, I honestly think, I honestly think I look at football and I look at a guy like, um, give me a Josh uh, uh, Gordon, last name. Gordon, there you go. How many chances has the NFL continually tried to give him? Again, it was just pot that he was doing, and he couldn't get off it. Ricky Williams, same thing. If you're doing that lower-level shit, if you're just trying, they, they try to get him help. They tried to be like, listen, take a step back. Go to rehab. Do this. Do that. And, and they keep giving him chances to come back in the league and play. Their team's giving him chances to come back and play. And, you know, I, I at least respect the league that's not shunning guys like that. They are trying to get, it seems to me, get these guys some kind of help. And if it works, great. If it doesn't work, then, you know, listen, they, they, they at least tried. But I do think that the ultimate goal of these leagues is to try to get these players healthy because they're the product. You want a healthy product on the field or, or on the court. And if and I, if, if I, if you're all messed up and you're not healthy, then there's no point of you being out there and you can't make them money and you can't make yourself any money. So I honestly think that they would be doing the right thing, trying to get these guys some help. And if I may real quick, I think it, the lower level level stuff like pot, I think we can all agree. That's, you know, with the testing, they kind of went a little overkill on that. But I think when you talk about, ending the testing for some of the harder stuff like your heroines, your cokes, your meths, all that stuff. One name comes to mind, and I think it's the reason why you're never going to see completely go away, and that's Len Bias. And I'd like to think we all know the story of Len Bias on that one in 1986. But with that, he is here tonight. Dave Hastings is here tonight. Dave, how you doing? I'm good, gentlemen. How we doing? Hope everybody had a happy and fun Christmas, and uh, we're all ready for the new year to kick off. Nice, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, so, do we want to move on, or do we? Yeah, let's move yeah. it on. Let's keep it moving. I'll tell you what. Where do you want to go next, Dave? I'll let you go. Where do you want to go next? Uh, Put them on the spot. Yes, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put him on the spot. Right. I'm the wrong football. one to ask, no, not knowing what you guys have gone over. So, so we went over we... Brady. We went over Brady and Belichick, kind of going back and forth, looking at them, kind of, you know. Who Mike had asked us a question. If you want to just give us a quick opinion on it, of you know, who do you think uh, was under more pressure to start the season? Um, and I, I Brady or Belichick. Yep, Brady or Belichick, and me and Schmel Rose both kind of agreed. We thought the pressure was more on. Brady than Belichick and that he rose to the occasion. Yeah, I mean, between the two of them, I, I would have to say it would be Brady just because, you know, most people felt that his success was directly due to and tied to Belichick. Um, so I, I would definitely say Brady probably went into it under more more pressure. But 
when it comes down to who had the better scenario, it was definitely Brady as well. I mean, you think of the talent that he got to go to in Tampa Bay and you look at the lack of talent in New England, like uh, that, that to me, like we, if the Buccaneers didn't make the playoffs to me, I would have, that would have been a complete like waste of a season in my opinion. Mm. So then, and and then also to catch you up, here's the other thing we talked about. That's nice. right, the NFC East. My toilet bowl sounds yeah. way better than that. It's a little, <laughs> it's a little louder. It's definitely louder. I'll say that. It took me a yeah, second I got, to figure that out. I got, I got bad guts. That's why. Yeah, no doubt. But either way, we we're talking about that shitty NFC East and uh, which team we thought would ultimately win the, the big crap fest. And uh, we all kind of had a consensus opinion that we believe that Washington will beat the ever more terrible Eagles week after week this weekend for the division title. Your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think Washington, especially it looks like Alex Smith is set to go back into the starting uh, spot. And he makes all the difference for that offense. And defensively, if you can give that team a lead, they're, they're – that, that front four is just something special. Chase Young already is setting himself up to be a top five uh, edge rusher in the league, and he's played a total of 15 games. So, um, yeah, I, that's what I expect. I expect Washington to go into Philly and, you know, get the win on Sunday. And I, I my biggest thing is if that's – like I saw a poll on Twitter the other day would it be worse as a Cowboys fan to win and have Washington win or to lose and have Washington win? To me, it'd be a lot worse to have Dallas win and Washington win just because at that point, if you're not making playoffs and you care about your draft position and another win could knock them into the teens. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Washington ends up locking up the division. But, man, no matter how you cut it, like, I also think with a healthy Alex Smith at quarterback, they're the only team that could actually push some of the playoff teams in a game because of what they go into that point. Then going to that point, we also did touch on briefly Dwayne Haskins getting cut by the Redskins. None of us surprised by that. He sucks. And uh, your thoughts. Yeah, I wasn't, I was surprised that they did it, you know, right out, basically right after the game for the most part. That kind of surprised me. I, I mean, most players don't get cut right after they play a game. So, um, but yeah, I mean, with him going to the strip club, pissing them off, there were some issues earlier in the season with him. Um, but all in all, I mean, the guy was drafted last year by a coach that didn't want him. So he already got thrown into a bad situation. You got a new head coach. I mean, I, I almost feel – I just feel bad for the kid. Like, I feel like he was basically set up for failure and, you know, it, it's it, not as bad as maybe the Josh Rosen, Rosen scenario that we watched wow. unfold over the last couple of years. But I do feel like the guy was kind of set up for a rough spot. And for him, it's going to be more about, you know, redesign – you know, rebuilding his brand in the NFL as a backup and, you know, doing what he has to do to – get an opportunity to try again, I guess you'd say. Well, then speaking of guys getting an opportunity to, to, to try again, 
I'm going to move on the, the topic because we've pretty much caught you up on what we talked about. And I want to move into what I threw at you guys in the group chat before we started. And how about Mason Rudolph getting a start this weekend? And is this just the Steelers kind of giving a game to the Browns here because they'd rather see the Browns and Indy in the playoffs? Well, let me say this. I get the point you're making, but I feel like this adds a little bit more intrigue than as to, you know, if, if it was just Roethlisberger starting. Because this is the first time Rudolph's placed, faced the Browns since the brawl last year. There's so when no I, reason. Roethlisberger's but, but, healthy. Yeah, that's fine and everything. But I'm just saying, this made me a little more interested in this game now just to see how that plays into it and the history and everything. So I want to see that, and I want to see if maybe Rudolph comes out with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder after everything went down. you got to wonder how Garrett's going to come out to that game. So I feel like this makes it a little more intriguing because of what happened the last time Rudolph started for the Steelers against the Browns. Maybe that's just me, though. I don't know. What do you guys think? I mean, it definitely adds some, uh, you know, storylines to it. But all in all, I think all these guys have pretty much moved on from that. But I, I think for the Steelers, it's just simply with the way their season has gone, they went from a week eight bye to a week four bye with, you know, the the stress and all the shit that went on with the game they were supposed to play against the uh, Ravens in we, uh, Thanksgiving week. And, I mean, this team really hasn't had any real rest. So I think it's a chance for them to – you know, give some of their main players some time off and a chance to breathe and, you know, prepare for the for the playoffs to get started. I mean, they know where they're seated. They know where they're going to be. And whether they're the two or the three, I don't really think it, they care too much about it. Mm. Melrose? You know, I think, um, I mean, when's the last time we saw Ben Roethlisberger healthy, you know, so – I don't necessarily think that they're throwing it. I don't. I, I don't think it has anything to do with the brawl. Um, I think you know that big conglomerate propaganda machine will talk a lot about the brawl and things like that. That I won't say their name, but they're on uh, Channel Thirty Six Optimum. Bunch of propaganda. Um, <laughs> I think. Uh, I think they'll touch on it, but the real sports shows won't even, you know, look at that. They may mention it quick just for fun but uh like we're doing here but i don't think the bra has anything to do it i just think it's the fact that you never see a healthy ben roethlisberger so if you can give him a week off you, you give him a week off and you let him rest because but are you gonna really be giving him a week off though because if i'm not mistaken i'll go and look at the schedule real quick and i'll look at the standings but i'm pretty sure if the steelers lose this week they have a chance to drop a spot in the playoffs so i mean they're gonna lose you know they're they're potentially kind of, in my opinion, not playing for a seed. They're kind of giving this one to the Browns. And in my opinion, I think they'd rather face the Browns again in the playoffs than they would against Indy. Didn't they have a pretty good struggle against Indy when they played a couple weeks ago? If I'm not mistaken, that was one of their three losses in a row. Well, yeah, no, but, didn't but they listen, just play last week? Wasn't that just this past week? Yeah, they played on Sunday. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what your seed is. If your quarterback can't move around, I don't know if you've watched the Steelers these last few weeks, but Big Ben looks like the easiest quarterback to sack in the league right now. And I know you know what it's like to be in your mid thirties and be a big man. The joints hurt, man. So but we again, got what, what's the point? Like I'd rather lose a seed than go into the playoffs with a hobbled quarterback. 
So if I'm going to give them a day off, I'm going to give them a day off, you know, a whole week, rest up, put your joints on ice. Cause we got some big shit coming our way. Whether but we do it from a two or a three seed, it ain't going to matter. I don't think Mike Tomlin gives a shit where he's at. That the fact that they would rather play, because they're saying in their heads, in my opinion, they're looking at it, yes, that way, but they're also looking at it as this isn't just a win in that respect of giving Ben the, the rest and getting him ready for the playoffs. It's the fact that they know the Browns better than they know Indy. They've beaten the Browns. They know how to beat the Browns. And this is kind of a win-win because now they can play the Browns again in the playoffs with a Big Ben, with a rested Big Ben, and not have to face an Indy team, which gave them a ton of trouble, and that they lost to a couple weeks or last week. But how? So why are they focused? They're still win, but, win, it's a win all but Indy can still get in. No, they can't. The, the, the Dolphins only lose. going to get in. Is I'm going to tell you right now. Is it the Indy Dolphins plays, lose? What? The Dolphins would have to lose. Yes. Right. That's the only way. And that would be the game where I'm telling you right now that I don't think they're going to lose that game. I think Miami's going to end up winning that game. Where's Indy getting in if they don't win that game? The only way they get in is it. The only way that Indy gets in is Miami has to lose or the Browns have to lose. Or some miracle, well, the Titans would have to lose, but the Titans are playing. What about the Ravens? You're trying, trying to tell me that. You're trying to tell me Mike Tomlin gives the Bengals. That's a win. With the way they've been yeah, playing, the Bengals are going to get the that crap kicked out of them by the Ravens. And the Titans have a chance. The only chance that the Indy really has is by swapping the division. I think Indy's playing Jacksonville, and the Titans are playing the Texans, I believe. Somebody wants to fact check me on that. They could do that, but that's division versus division, the same way the NFC East is to end the season. So the only way that that really swaps, in my opinion, and Indy gets in is if somehow Tennessee loses, which I don't see happening because they need the game to make sure they clinch. So I just think that they're going to come out in full force. They're going to win the game. I think they have to hope that either Miami loses, that the Ravens, I just can't see losing to the Bengals. And now the Browns are kind of getting a little bit of luck thrown their way, having to see Mason Rudolph instead of seeing Big Ben. I just think that really you're 100% right. Their only way in is if Miami loses. But I just don't know if Miami's going to lose this week. And if the Steelers don't care about the game. But that's the thing. There's never going to be – there's never going to be a Mike Tomlin coach team that doesn't care about the game. And he also doesn't care who he plays. Mike Tomlin gets ready for anybody. You're trying to tell me Mike Tomlin gives a shit who he plays in the playoffs more than resting his quarterback? I mean, to me, that's what it's all about. He's got to get the big guy some rest or he's not going to be able to go anywhere or do anything. And here's, here's the question too much I have. Money. Get out on the goddamn field and play. Dude, he's 30-something years old and he's 230 pounds. He can't do it. Well, they need him now. He didn't retire. They need him now. They don't have anybody else. They don't have anybody else. It's week 17. It's week 17. I have a question because Eric keeps saying the only way they make the playoffs is if Miami loses. Miami's at Buffalo this week. Do we think Buffalo's just going to lay back because they won the division? Again, they're the, that, that's, where, that's where I'm saying the game's not going to matter to them if it doesn't matter to the Steelers. Because I think they're tied to the same record with the Steelers, right? Oh, Buffalo? Yeah. No, uh, no I think Buffalo's got a – hang on a second. I think they got a one-game lead on the Steelers. No, they're both 12-3. and three. Okay. But, but so I, here's my thing: is you have two organizations that 
all they know how to do is fuck up. So if I'm <laughs> betting this week, like I'm putting my money on Indy making the playoffs. Yeah. All right. I'm not. That these two organizations have done nothing over the last five years to tell me that they can go out and win a must-win game. I think right. every one of these scenarios stays exactly the way it is. I think it's Casey, Buffalo, Pitt, Tennessee, Miami, Baltimore, Cleveland. Right, I think Indy's on the outside looking in. I, I, I got one other thing I want to bring up here. So for a final thought, Dave, you got any final thoughts on this? Let's just say I'm really excited that Week 17 has as many impactful games as it does. Mm. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. I did want to bring this up real quick because, Eric, you had brought something up about this in our text earlier. So I know me and Eric heard it from different sources. It looks like Adam Gase is getting fired after this week. It's a shock that he made it through the entire season. Is it even news, though? I mean, we well, all hang, on, hang on a second. Hang on a second. So, no, it is not news that he's getting fired. We all kind of expected it. But let's be honest, just win two in a row. Franchise so accepting of mediocrity and a franchise so horribly run. I was going to come on the show today and ask, do we see a world where Adam Gase survives to next season? Never. I mean, hang he on got a second. Because he won those hang games. Hang he got on, fired for winning. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. You don't even know where I'm going with this. Calm down. Calm down. So, all right. He's going to go. And, Eric, I know you brought up the big prediction that you think Eric Bieniemy is going to be their next head coach. I got a couple little qualms with that one, though. Because you look at the teams that are going to be looking for a head coach this season. Houston. Detroit. Maybe Jacksonville, maybe Philadelphia, Atlanta, a couple other teams in there that I'm sure I'm leaving out. If you're Eric enemy, do you really want to come coach the New York Jets? That's number one for me. That's if they're the one. only team that comes calling. But do you, I'd like with all those teams out there, and Eric enemy is like the hottest offensive He's been the hottest for the last three years, and he can't get a job. So I'm, I'm going to be honest. Until somebody gives him a job, I'm going to think that there's something up. I, I'm going to disagree with you on that one. I think his profile has only been getting uh, bigger and bigger as the years go on. I do think this is the year he gets a head coaching job, and I think every one of these franchises is going to wind up being in on him. And then the other question I have, as poorly run as the Jets organization is, do you honestly think they got a clear line to this guy? You honestly give them enough credit not to fuck this up? No, because I honestly think that if I'm not mistaken, Jacksonville needs a head coach, right? Uh, it's still Doug Marone, but I wouldn't be surprised if he gets fired after the season two. I'm imagining he's Detroit also him. needs one. Detroit, I, Atlanta, I Houston. He would go there to coach with or to coach up Lawrence. I could see that. I could see him going there. Mm-hmm. But there's a re- there's got to be some reason he hasn't gotten more calls over the last two years or so. Really, he should have gotten a job after last offseason, so – I'm not 100% sure what's going on. Houston could be a good spot if he did want to go down there, down there coach with Deshaun Watson. I'm sure he's got a lot so a lot of the same skill sets that, that Mahomes comes to the table with. But again, like I said, I think Trevor Lawrence will also come to, to Jacksonville with some of those same talents. And there are other teams out there. I just don't think they're as attractive. Again, Yes, we're talking about the Jets. Yes, they're a shitty run organization right now, and they haven't won in a really long time. But let's not mistake it. 
it is still New York. And if you can make it in New York, you know what I mean? Like there's a difference there. So I, I don't sure. think that, that leans him towards coming to the Jets. I absolutely don't. I think the best opportunity where he thinks he's going to have the best chance to win is going to win out because I think everybody in the, in the end is going to give him around the same kind of money and the same kind of contract. So I don't think it's going to be a money or contract thing as much as it's going to be probably how many opportunity, opportunities is he really going to get a, an honest call for? And out of those opportunities, which one has the best chance to win? The only thing I'm not concerned of, and the reason I said it could be a really good opportunity, why I would, I would predict it for you know a good candidate to be the Jets' next head coach, is because one, he's great with quarterbacks, or, or supposedly anyway, in the way he, he's been able to coach up Mahomes, maybe he'd be able to do something with Darnold. The other thing is nobody else seems to be giving him that chance yet. And if nobody's going to actually put that contract in front of him, maybe it's the first team that actually puts that contract down and puts it in writing that's actually going to get him to sign it. So it could be a couple of things working there. I don't say it's set in stone he's going to the Jets, but if nobody else comes calling – why wouldn't you take a chance? I would. And especially because it looks like with Mims, it looks like with Perryman, it looks like they don't, they're not deprived of some kind of weapons, you know, of some kind of offense or whatever. And their defense has played a lot better come the second half of this year. So much, much like the Giants defense has played uh, much better than I expected all season long, really. So I, I, I look at it as I think the enemy has been long overdue for an opportunity. I really hope he gets an opportunity this offseason. And I just thought the Jets could be a team that if they're serious about it, could be in the running for it. But I do also recognize there are better opportunities out there than the Jets to take. Well, if, if I may, um, I listen, I think the Jets are going to offer him the job. But if I'm him, and I get what you're saying. And listen, I'm not going to argue. You can win in New York. You can win anywhere. Greatest city in the world. Whole thing. Jets haven't won in over 50 years. The organization is one of the worst run organizations in football. If I'm him, since even Rex if Ryan. No, hang on. What did you say? Said since Rex Ryan, he's the best coach the Jets have had in the last 50 yeah, years. Yeah, him and his two conference championship wins. Thank you for making my point. Anyway, um. If I'm him, even if no other team offers me a contract and I have the opportunity to coach the Jets or stay with the Chiefs as the offensive coordinator, yeah, it's not a head coaching job. I'd stay with the Chiefs. I would say if that's the only opportunity. What? You're not gonna. You're never gonna pass up the opportunity to be a head coach in the National you're Talking Football dollar League. bills. Yeah, but a lot if, of dollar if bills. that head coaching job is such a bastion for failure as it has been, with anyone who goes over there, I don't know. I don't see the incentive because you're Nothing not. Stops gonna, him from you're going not back to gonna win right away. You're not gonna win right away if ever. So the idea <laughs> that if the if the objective is what gives you a greater chance to win. Sorry, being an offensive coordinator on the Kansas City Chiefs gives you a better opportunity to win. Well, then I don't want that man coaching my goddamn team. Because as a coach, I don't care who you give me. I'm going to try and figure out a way to win with them. You want me to be a head coach? Yes, absolutely. I'll take the job. Yes, Are you kidding me? That. There's only 32 like, of those jobs. You that's insane. You take it. You, and you work with what you have, and would, you try and win. Would, and that's a lot of dollar would, bills. And can we please stop playing into the conspiracy propaganda race 
bullshit behind this man not having a head coaching job. Let me ask you a question. Well, if you were to interview this man and sit down in a room with him, what would your first question be? Because mine would be, what impact did you have on Andy Reid's offense? Because nobody calls it the enemy's offense. They call it Andy Reid's offense. And if I'm not mistaken, Andy Reid calls the plays, doesn't he? Yeah, so, but he's not the one makes the play calls. So I'm sorry. That's not the guy with other guys coming in. The only one that was questionable was hiring Joe Judge over him to me. That's it. I'm not buying. Listen, I'm not buying any racial things behind it, or that there's any racial. Well, because that's what I hear on on the propaganda network. So like everybody's saying that this guy not having a head coaching job is blasphemy. I mean, it's not that big of a, a, a stretch if you think about it. He doesn't no, call the but, plays, and it's Andy Reid's offense. It's not but I a lot. Perception is reality. I disagree with that. I believe within the last two weeks, like people like Tyreek Hill have come out and said that he he thinks that the enemy is the greatest offensive mind, and this and that. Like they've come out with a lot of praise. People on that offense, team members players on that offense have come out and spoken out and, and have sworn by the enemy. So if they're going to stand that strongly with him, it shows that he has some impact in that locker room and some impact on that team. And if you're going to tell me it's just play calling that makes a difference, I'm going to tell you that you, you need to look for a lot more in a coach and just whether or not he can call plays. Without calling plays, to me, that shows something. That's like I said, well, see, he's got great references, but he must not interview well. Well, if I don't I, agree if with I, that I, either. Can I say one thing here? I, Eric, like you said, I don't think it's just about calling the plays. I think it's what you do with the actual position groups during the week because Andy Reid has got so much going on as the head coach. He's not the one working with the individual position groups. And as you said, Eric, a little earlier, helping in Mahomes' development and all that stuff. And I would imagine a lot of what happens in that offense during the practices, he's the one working the day-to-day. He's the one doing a little minutia and everything like that. Andy Reid may be the one developing the plan. He's the one carrying the play out, though. If you're telling me that doesn't develop experience, seeing how a play uh, game plan gets developed and uh, making sure it gets uh, seen and- through and everything. I disagree with that. Schmoros, I also want to bring up that a lot of the times you point out how Joe Judge learned uh, under Belichick. What do you think the enemy's been doing under Andy Reid? I I just think that you can't look at Judge one way and not look at the enemy the same way. You can't tell me Judge called any place whatsoever. He didn't call anything offensively or defensively. He didn't call anything. What you're missing is like, hang on, I lost it because I just went outside a minute ago. So the thing is, is that you bring the guy in and you ask him, what have you done? What have you done? They don't call it the enemy's offense. That's what I'm going to keep saying. All I'm saying is, I'm not saying that the guy shouldn't have a job. Listen to me. I'm not saying that the guy shouldn't have a job. I'm not saying that the guy shouldn't have a job. I said that that hire of Joe Judge over him was a bit suspect. Did I not just say that five minutes ago? All right. I'm not saying he shouldn't get hired this year. All I'm saying is it's not a stretch. It's not crazy. It's not blasphemy that he didn't get hired last year. He just didn't get fucking hired. I don't know why everybody makes a big deal out of it. It's not a big deal. He didn't get hired. 
He walked into the interview. He didn't do as good as the next guy. And a lot of that is marketability. Well, I don't necessarily disagree with you on that one. No, and maybe listen, I don't disagree with that. And listen, maybe it came down to something in there where they thought Judge would handle the media better in New York and handle the pressure of New York a little differently. It could be things like that. You're right. Everybody doesn't always interview well. People don't always test well and whatever, but it doesn't mean they're not smart. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean they don't know what they're doing and can't win. So, I mean, there, there are plenty of quarterbacks who haven't done well on that stupid wonderlick test they take every year during the, during the combine, but have come in and been great quarterbacks in the NFL. It, it, I don't know. I just think that you're, you're, you're putting too much on it not being the enemy's offense but that's the thing though when you when you sit down that's what they ask they want to know that and if you don't answer those questions right you may not get hired that's a big job maybe they're answering it right but like i said maybe they just don't feel like he has the the right temperament you're focusing on the wrong point or something else something else but it's not like like, I just hate that everybody thinks that it's like this big, crazy conspiracy or it's blasphemy or you know, I keep saying I it, but like, I hate that everybody not. thinks it's nuts that the guy didn't get hired last year. Like, well, he just didn't get hired. I don't think it's I as know, big a deal it, as everybody makes it out to well, be. I'm just saying, like, that's crazy. And, so when Stephen A, and I love and respect Stephen A. Smith a lot, I think he's great at what he does. I think he's the only, one of the only good things on that crap network. But, you know, when he starts to say things like it's about race and things like that on TV, I mean, that's not I'm what not it's about. There. I never went there with that. I won't, I won't ever uh, you go know, there with like, that I don't believe that. I, with I that, just don't think it's um, a big crazy thing like that. And I know it's a touchy subject and you guys all hate it, but I'm sorry. Well, I just have what, to say it. Let's get, uh, let's get Dave in on this real quick. Dave, what do you but think? The league has been incentivizing it, though, okay. Fife. Dave, go ahead. I have no idea, man. You guys just went on like 10 different tangents when it all – I don't even know where this conversation started. I think the enemy <clears throat> will get several interviews. He'll get several opportunities. And if the Jets are the only one, I think he takes that over staying offensive coordinator. <clears throat> but I do think there are a lot of different jobs that – like Houston, for example, um, I think he'd have a field day working with a guy like uh, uh, Deshaun Watson. So – I think I'll throw that two cents in, but guys, I, I gotta, I gotta run. I'm actually at, at a friend's house. I just wanted to jump on with you guys and try to get picks in. So I don't know if you guys you want to do picks, picks now. Let's do picks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm ready I, for I, picks. I, you guys can definitely. I'd love for you guys to keep going, but I gotta. I'm at a friend's house standing. Out. My bad, Dave. Well, I tell you what. I tell you what, Dave. You tell us the game you want to pick, and we'll text you what the rest of the picks are. Uh, well, I mean, to me, I, I think. You know, we all already kind of did the Washington game, so I don't know if you want to count that one. Um, I mean, it's up to you. We all picked Washington. There's no reason to pick that game. Yeah, all right. So we're all the same there. Um, Honestly, I I think I'm very intrigued by the – what's it called? The Cowboys-Giants game. I I mean, that's that's a game where you have two teams that are playing for, you know, pride. They're both playing to stay alive and – if the Giants win and Washington loses, the Giants take the NFC East. If Dallas wins and Washington loses, Dallas takes the NFC East. So, um, all in all, I think that's a – it's going to be an intense game, and I think it's actually going to be pretty entertaining to actually watch. I mean, Gallman on the Giants has been running the ball pretty well. The If Dallas's offense can't score points, that defense can only hold up for so long. 
Uh, and the giant strength is their defense. So it's really, you know, strength versus strength and weakness versus weakness when you look at these two teams. Um, but I think the Cowboys are riding pretty high and riding momentum, but I don't think the Giants will uh, do uh, okay with letting the Cowboys have a chance to actually win the NFC East by winning in New York. So uh, I actually do think the Giants win this game, and I, I think it's a, a low-scoring game, and that's why. If it's if if Dallas breaks 21 points, I think they win, but I don't think either team breaks 20. All right, man. Uh, do you want us to let you go now, or you want to stay for everybody's pick on this one? No, no, I'll go through the picks with you guys. All right. Yeah, I'm not picking the Cowboys. I'm already I'm already in last place on this thing. I'm not winning this, so I'm going with the Giants. Go ahead, Shmuel Rose. You next. I actually think it's going to be the Cowboys. I think um, the reason they're riding high you is bastard. because Dalton's been finding the guys. You know, he's, he's figuring it out, and uh, he's got those weapons. So I'm going to go with the Cowboys in this one. He stole my pick. I wanted to take the beige pistol. and this is also Hastings highlight of the week (laughs) all right so me and Dave picked the Giants Eric and Schmelrose pick Dallas so there you go all right Dave we'll let you out of here you got any final words well, no, no, no he said he was staying for the pick oh I didn't okay I thought he I thought he meant just this pick (laughs) Mike's like get the hell out of here Dave What's the one we're doing next, Mike? Well, I'll say this. I lost in my Survivor League this week because Eric's idea of just pick anyone against the Jets. You can't blame Eric. No, yeah, Eric, go fuck yourself for that. I'll just say that right now. Um, No, I'll tell you this, man. My cousin David texts me the night before. tells me Cleveland's got all their wide receivers out. I had plenty of time to change the pick, and I said, no, I still think Cleveland's going to win. Having faith in the Browns, that's always a good fucking idea. But this is why I don't fucking gamble, folks, because I swear to God, anytime anything looks like a shirt thing, something comes from out of nowhere and says, hey, there's your balls. My foot looks like a good place for that. Let's go. I swear to God, none of my teams can ever win anything. I'm waiting Mike, for the ma- just Mike, si- you know what? Mike, stop with the pity party, dude. You made it till week 16 in a no I wanted you know to win, God damn it. I wanted to win. Like, you Eric, did a good I, job. I never thought I'd did a good I job, never, kid. I never thought I'd quote the Yankee fan in the room. If you don't win, you didn't do anything. I wanted to win. I wanted some goddamn right? money. This is why I don't gamble. Isn't third place disappointing? It, it is a little disappointing. It's very disappointing. I'm not gonna you did it. a good job. No, I swear to God, I was confident. Anytime I'm confident in anything, that's when it fucks up. I'm looking to next week. I'm like, oh, next week's going to be the hard one. This is going to be the easy one. Nah, motherfucker. No. Nah, you know what that does, though? I you know what that does, Mike? What? It brings us to Aguiloro's aggravation of the week. Don't tell me to shut up on my own show. Yeah, yeah, aggravated. Tell, I thought it was a good time. To shut up on my show. I see what you're doing there, and I don't like it. All right, the game I would have picked. <laughs> the game I would have picked would have been Minnesota going into Detroit to take on the Lions. Then I would have taken Minnesota on this one. Go ahead, Dave. Uh, yeah, I like Minnesota. I mean, we don't even know if Stafford's playing, and if Stafford's not playing, Detroit don't got a shot in hell. All right, Eric. 
Give me uh, my old alma mater. Give me the Vikings. Michael, you know, I thought it was a perfect time to do it just because you sounded so aggravated. So I was just trying to help you out. Uh, but anyway, I'm going to go with the Vikings. But I'm sorry if uh, I hurt your feelings there, buddy. I, I, I got no response to that one. I want, I want, I had more to that fucking rant, but everybody wants to just move along. So, okay, fine. We'll move along. What's well, Dave is out in the cold. Dave left already. No, he's still here. Dave's still oh, here. I'm out in the cold, Mike. Oh, out he's standing in the cold. actually physically in the cold. Well, where, out are, you in th- the cold. where are your thermals? That's what I've been doing for the last two weeks. All right, Mike, come on, man. Let's go. I know you're upset, but, you, you know. Have Wait, I made my pick. Uh, Eric is next. Yo, smell Rose, do you he's right, right. He's right. He's right. It is. Interesting. I, I, I said, give me my old modern Vikings. No, your actual game pick. You're next. Oh, smell well, Rose, I got to be smell honest. Rose, Dave, Dave kind of took mine because it. I thought that I could have sworn that the that the toilet bowl was going to be the Giants-Cowboys and the shit show was probably going to be that Washington Eagles game. But since I've gotten taken, I'm gonna take another one that's a, that 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 could be a good good toilet bowl. This is this is a bowl that you're gonna enjoy. One that you really sit down. You got something to read. You know, it's it's not too it's not too smelly, but you got your own brand. You're just enjoying life on the bowl. It's the Bills and the Dolphins. Playoff implications on the line for the Dolphins. Uh, I think the Dolphins are gonna win this week. And get in the playoffs to knock Indy out. That's my pick. That's where I'm sitting. Where are you guys at? Um, you know something? I say Buffalo is not taking this week off, even regardless of whatever happens between Pittsburgh and Cleveland. And I think overall Buffalo is the better team, so I'm going to go with the better team. I say Buffalo. Dave? Give me Miami. Rose. I am with uh, Mike on this one. I'm going with the Buffalo Bills. All right. It's now time to get up off the ball and look for that shit show. Thanks, Eric. I was the one who normally does the intros. Appreciate it. All right. You go can ahead, still do Sloan. the intro. Yeah. I was just saying, I was just moving. I was just keeping it moving from the bowl to the shit. <laughs> go ahead, time. Uh, you know, I'm going to go through here. I'm looking at the games and, uh, I actually wanted to pick a decent one this week. So the shit show part of it will be the swirling cold winds in Chicago, but I'm going to pick the bears versus the Packers as our game of the week. And, uh, as the shit show, I'm going to take the bears at home to beat the pack. No chance. Yeah, that smells yeah, bad. I'm, pick, I'm picking the Packers on that one. They want the bye. Uh, they got something to play for this week. They ain't laying down. So I'm going with Green Bay on that one. Uh, Dave, go ahead. Yeah, I'm going with Green Bay. They want the bye week, and if they win, I think they knock Chicago out of the playoffs. Yeah, that sounds about right. Eric? That bowl is going to be packed full of Packer shit. Give me them packs. All right. All right. So that'll do it for the picks. Okay. Now, if I asked Dave if he was going to take off now, you guys going to act like I'm trying to kick him out of the room again? No. Come on, what are you trying to do here? What are you? What are you doing? Mike, come I on. Just, I just feel like I'm getting attacked anywhere I go here. 
No, I'm feeling very vulnerable. I think we should just pick one more game, though. I'm going to throw it at you real quick because, I mean, we're talking so much shit here. How can you not talk about the Browns? Are the Browns going to win this week? Are they going to beat no, a Mason Rudolph Steelers team? I want to override this because I say fuck the Browns after last week. Couldn't even beat the fucking Jets. Nah, 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 nah. I'm, so I'm pick over- the Steelers then. I, 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 don't, I, I say fuck the Browns. I don't want to pick this game. Fuck them. Pick a different game. <laughs> no, that's the only one I wanted. Because I just, I, I honestly think that Mason Rudolph actually gives them a chance to lose i honestly think that that's the game because the browns need it and clearly the steelers don't give a sh- that much about it if they're starting mason rudolph rather than big ben i go back to Fife's point of yes they want to rest big ben but i also think it's because it's the lesser of two evils yes they may win the game but if they lose no big deal either because they're gonna or, face the browns and you know they can beat the browns in the or, playoffs anyway so, how about how about option three? Ultimate sign of disrespect to your opponent, where you think so little of them that you think their backup, who hasn't played all season, can still win. And I'm gonna go with that because fuck the Browns. I'm saying Pittsburgh. I'll take Pittsburgh too to win the game. Actually, yeah. Ultimate take- sign that you do not give a shit about your opponent. Go ahead, Dave. I'll take the Browns. <laughs> Eric. Well, Same I mean, we already we already know when underwear, the Browns, baby. Yeah. Ha! You should wash those. Ha! Right. Ah, you got to wear the same ones every Tuesday. No wash. Oh, my God. All right, so Jeff, I'm uh, so glad we learned about your fucking hygiene today. Gentlemen, I hope you guys all have a great rest of the show. And also a happy very, new very year. Happy, happy new year to you guys. And uh, look forward to our first show of 2021. Yeah. Nice ready, Dave. Have a good one. Happy New Year, Dave. Happy New Year, guys. All right. That was Dave Hastings here. I don't know how much more we want to go here, but I do want to bring up something real quick. Uh, World Baseball, Eric Padres made a couple, quote unquote, big trades over the last couple days, adding Blake Snell and you, Darvish. And I have a feeling you and me may agree on this one. I'm never going to take the Padres seriously until they actually win a World Series. Yeah, they still play in the same division as the Dodgers. And well, not even that. Not even that. It, it's the yeah. Padres. Everything they've done to try to be relevant. You look at all the signings they made, and they always wind up doing the same goddamn thing. Oh, and yeah, I'm, yeah. Listen, I, I'm with you. The last good Padres team was that one in the 90s that went to the World Series against the Yankees. That was the last good Padres team out there. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think that there's uh, – any chance? Listen, are they good pitchers? Do I think they make some kind of a different a difference? Yes. Do I think they make enough of a difference to make them World Series contenders? No. So that that's kind of where I land on. Yes, big moves for San Diego, but at the same time, I 100% agree. It's San Diego, and until they actually do something, it's just San Diego. Mm. Yeah, and listen, you look at the moves they've made in previous off-seasons, uh, paying Eric Hosmer that ridiculous contract, giving the money to Will Myers. I liked Will Myers as a prospect. He's really been underwhelming. Then you sign Manny Machado. I'm sorry, Machado's underachieved since he's been with the Padres. You got a nice building block foundation piece in Fernando Tatis. So you got a good, you got a good, relatively young lineup and everything. And you get the the catcher from the Cubs, uh, Caratini, who's actually pretty good. 
Darvish has always been very overrated in my eyes. Like I know he was a Cy Young finalist this year, but you look at his career, he's never been able to put it together for a full season. So the idea that you put him there and I I'm high on Blake Snell. I like Blake Snell. I think that's a great pickup and everything. Number one, don't ever trust the, the, the raise when it comes to making a trade because the guys they got prospect wise, they're going to be all-stars in five years because the Rays know what they're doing when it comes to acquiring talent. You look at that Chris Archer trade from a couple of years ago and tell me they don't know what they're doing. And then you, yeah, Darvish, I'm sorry. Darvish really isn't as good as everybody makes him out to be. So, yeah, you got an ace with Snell. You don't have dueling aces with Snell. And they're banking on the fact that they got these young pitchers behind that, these young pitchers who have two or three years of experience. You don't know that you have a solid rotation right now. You got two somewhat proven pitchers and then a bunch of lottery tickets you hope are really good beyond that. So I'm never going to take the Padres seriously until they win the World Series, like I said. But I want to say one thing. And this goes to the rant that I didn't get to finish from before. But my team's never doing anything. For the love of God, will the Mets just go ahead and sign a couple people? We know they're going to get hurt five days into the fucking season anyway. So it's nice to have a little bit of hope right now. Just sign the people. Get it over with. You know they're going to get hurt five games into the season. Yeah, it's great. We've got new ownership. It's nice. It's cheerful and everything. Everybody's happy because Steve Cohen's tweeting with everybody on Twitter. Well, you just fucking get it over with. We know you're going to do something. Stop fucking waiting. Just do something. Thoughts? Um, agreed. I don't know what's taking them so long. And I tell you, I tell you this: they signed James McCann, and Alderson always winds up saying dumb shit. He says there were certain positions that we felt we could wait on, and then others we felt like we couldn't wait on. If you're gonna make a statement like that, and I'm fine with signing James McCann over JT Real Muto, I'm fine with that. Eric, I told you months ago, I didn't think Real Muto was worth that contract. If you're gonna do that, though. That means you're making another big move within the next week. It's been two weeks. You haven't done dick. No, I mean, listen, he can go out and overpay for LeMay, who would be a tremendous signing for you guys. He has the money. It's not It's not a money thing anymore where you used to look at it and say, well, the Wilpons just don't want to spend. This guy's come in saying, I'm going to spend. And yet, well, he's I hedging his bets make- a little bit. You notice he's hedging his bets on that one? Yeah. Like, and again, it's not that I think that he doesn't want to spend the money because if yeah. he does i just think he's he's nervous about spending it because he, he knows, knows he the mets track record immediately on who he spends it on how much he spends and then mm. it was it after this season a good deal or not and i think he's just worried about making the wrong deal and looking stupid right off the bat and yeah. i, no, I worry that, that may be part of what the holdup is on why they've taken so long to sign guys. I just think he's been hesitant to really pull the trigger on any of the big signings. Cause honestly, they should be in on a guy like Bauer. They should be in on, on, uh, on LeMahieu. They should be in on a bunch of these guys. Now, and- you know, you know what my wish list is? I gotta be honest. I don't, it's not that I don't want LeMahieu. I just don't see him having a Springer. spot on the team. Why not Springer? Why didn't you guys? No, him I want. Him I want. He's number one on my wish list. I want Springer. I want again. Sp- there's no reason you shouldn't be signing him. None. I think. None. I think it goes. I can't a little- blame the Wilpons anymore. There's no more. They're yeah. not there to blame anymore. Well, this here's Stevie, the Stevie. This is your team now. 
listen, I agree with you on that, but I think it goes a little bit to your point before. I think it is something to do with what you said, but I think it's also he doesn't want to outbid himself. So I think he's more waiting to see what type of offers he gets. And then I think he expects to come in. But again, and you've already heard bid. numbers. Like when it comes to LeMayhew, you've heard numbers with him and the Yankees. Yeah, you've LeMay, heard how far apart they I are. Can I ask you something? What, what need does LeMayhew fill for the Mets? We have a second baseman and we could go with third base. None like that other than pissing, none really other than pissing off. And that's why I don't want to do it. Town and whatever else. Again, I'm not saying anything. All I'm saying is eventually this guy's got to open up the wallet, even if it's not LeMayu. But the thing is, with LeMayu, he's a guy that you're going to find a spot for him because he can play first, he can play third, he can play second, he can play, he can play in a corner outfield if you, try, if, you, if you gave him enough time. He can play almost anywhere. That guy's a ball player and he is a hit machine. Cousin David. Ever, listen, I am pissed that the Yankees haven't signed him already. What the fuck they're waiting on? But well, I'll tell you this, cousin. It, it, cousin what's, gonna, what's gonna end up happening is the Dodgers are gonna come in. Some other team that doesn't really need him, mm. but just realizes you can utilize him in other positions because he is just a ball player. He is just a gamer, a guy that just wants to get in there any way, shape, or form, oh. and he contributes at a high level in pretty much any spot you put him in. So. I don't think you can go wrong by signing him because if nothing else, he's a utility guy. And you know, you're going to have some injuries throughout the year. You know, you're going to run into some things. He's a guaranteed almost 300 hitter. And, and he's going to come in at, a, at, at you know, play, being able to play multiple positions. You can't beat a guy like that. So there's no downside in really signing him other than you're right. The Mets don't need him. Well, I tell but you, if I, they just wanted to make a splash. If he wanted to show, Hey guys, I'm here, and I'm not just here to get guys that are going to be great for this team, but I'm here to take guys away from other teams who are going to be great there. And well, we're going to bring me... them here. We're going to find a way to make them work because they're phenomenal ball players, and that's the type of guy we want here. Like, well, I, t- I tell you this, because here's the thing. He actually just joined the t- chat. Cousin David agrees with you on the LeMahieu point. He agrees with you. But here's my thing. I don't want to do it just to piss off Yankee, the Yankees. I, I again, you, like that's you said, not... the Tigers on your wish list. list. What, what I'm you not saying go out and get LeMayu now. They should be signing Springer and Bauer first. And if LeMayu's still out there, then just what? say, fuck it. I got the well, money. Okay, Let's all do right. it. That's, that's, that's fair. I can give you that one. But no, here's my wish list. If I have a wish list for what I see the Mets, what I want to see the Mets do, Springer is number one. I, I got to be honest, like Bauer would be great. But if the Mets end this offseason signing Jake Odorizzi and Taiwan Walker to fill out that rotation and maybe take a flyer on Carlos Rodon, who was non-tendered by the White Sox, and then you add Liam Hendricks and Alex Colome for that bullpen, then you circle around and you make the big trade for Nolan Arenado, that's my offseason. That's what I'd sign up for. Yeah, and right now you're about le- about less than about a month and a half away from what spring training, and you've got none of those guys. Well, we don't know that we're a month and a half away from spring training because the season may start in May. It might. Yeah, but I'm just saying you're getting pretty close to when guys are going to start, you know, thinking about reporting and think talks are going to get more. Some of these guys, listen, I'm I'm not I'm feeling the frustration too as a Yankee fan, so it's mm. not just you. My team's doing the same thing. I don't understand what the delay is. What do you think? Uh, what do you think about my wish list, though? The Mets ended the offseason with those guys instead of a bow. Yeah, it'd be a good offseason, but again, yeah. I think that that wish list is a little much. So I'm not going to say that. that you know, I would rather, you know. But me, given, give here's the thing: given what Bauer is going to command, just on the free agents, can you imagine? That's probably the same amount of money 
that just signing Springer and Bauer would cost. And you had yeah, four pieces instead of one. Yeah, I get that. But what I'm saying is I don't think that they're going to think like that. I think that they're going to want to, if he's smart, again, I think in years in the future and whatever else, I think this year you got to come in, you make your statement now. You show this I fan agree. a I different agree. organization. This is a different mm-hmm. team. We are going to a different place under me. That's what I would do. And, and they're not doing that now. To go to to go to that point, when he first took over, I said, listen, you know, he said at the press conference, we don't want to spend like drunken sailors. But if you were ever going to do it, this is the offseason to do it because most of baseball doesn't have the money to compete with you. And you're the only guy who didn't lose money in the pandemic last year. So this would be the year to make that statement and spend like drunken sailors. Nobody's saying you have to do it every year. But if you want to make that statement, this is the year to do it. Right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I've been saying. Yeah, and welcome, Cousin David. I know he spent a few minutes connecting there. Cousin David's here. Um, Well, I tell you what. I know you probably don't want to stick too much to baseball. Did you wind up getting your HBO Max working? Did you wind up saying no? I can't get it on LG TV. I get HBO, but I can't get anything beyond that. And apparently I've looked it up. I tried it a bunch of different ways. And outside of, like, watching it on my phone, like, but I'm not going to watch it on my phone. No, so I don't, I don't blame you for that. I don't really have a laptop necessarily to watch it on or anything like that. I mean, I have like an iPad, but again, you're talking something that's a very, very small screen compared to what you really want to see it on. So I just don't want to watch it that way or spend the money for HBO Max to watch it that way. Yeah. Um, hopefully, I did look. Well, I had to go to Costco this weekend to get a couple things that we needed here for the house, you know, some meat and whatever. And when I was there, they do have really good deals on TVs. So, oh uh, yeah, just able- so you know, cousin David lives by Costco. Cousin cousin David loves Costco, so he heard you oh, talking. No, no, no. About Costco's that. great, yeah. especially for TVs. Both the TVs I have in my house right now, they're LG TVs. I bought them back. We bought the house, you know, a couple he's, years ago. He's, uh, but he's, I bought both of these TVs at at, at uh, Costco, and they've been phenomenal. So mm-hmm. I'm a big fan. But apparently, I could get it if I had a Samsung TV. Oh, so okay. I okay. looked into getting a Samsung TV and they actually have a really, I think it's a really good deal. They had a 65 inch Samsung 4k, you know, TV, smart TV for 65 inch for 529. Huh. Well, cousin, cousin that's David's pretty got- good. I think as far as TVs go like for price, I mean, that's, that's not too bad. Mm. Cousin David's got a couple suggestions for you in the chat. He's saying Roku box or Apple TV. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you do that. So, but I don't have either of those. And like everything I have, I'm able to do through this LG TV. Like I have Netflix, I have Hulu, I have Disney Plus, I have have a bunch of the other streaming services that all stream perfectly fine right through my TV. For some reason, it specifically says too, if you go to like HBO Max's website and you say like ways to watch and whatever. They specifically tell you on there, LG TVs do not aren't aren't capable. Well, I mean, of getting HBO Max. Right you got to remember also the fact that these streaming services just started up. They're still getting their connections made and everything. So I'm I'm sure. Yeah. So right now, with, only yeah. Samsung smart TVs. I'd be able to get it on. Mm. So well, let me tell yeah. you. Let me tell you. I saw the movie. It was all right. I didn't think it was anything special. I thought the four main actors were really good. Gal Gadot was great. Chris Pine was great. The way they incorporated him back into the story, 
Uh, I was a little worried about how they were going to do it. I thought that was pretty good. Pedro Pascal is good in anything he does, even though his character is not what you think it's going to be based on the trailers. I can tell you that. And Kristen Wiig was pretty good. Uh, as And there's a couple there's a couple pretty good moments in the movie. I'm not going to lie. There's a couple moments that kind of made you go, wow, that's pretty cool the way they did that. As a whole, though, I didn't think it was anything special. Good, not great, I think, is the way I would put that. Okay. Yeah. Listen, um, that's kind of the way I saw the first Wonder Woman movie. Oh, listen, I just enjoyed the first Wonder Woman movie. If I go in, I just enjoy it. It's a fun watch. That's really all I'm looking for. Well, to um, me, to I me. expect the heavier stuff to come in Justice League anyway. So I don't need this movie to be heavy, heavy, dramatic, heavy, emotional tolls and everything else. Like, well, I just a, go in. I have a, a fun time. That, that's what that's what I'm looking for in this movie. There's a couple really good emotional moments in there. I'll say that. Like the scenes between Gal Gadot and Chris Pine are fantastic. Like, honestly, that's good. And I did like I did really like the first Wonder Woman movie. Like the end of the movie was kind of eh. But I do consider that the best of all the DCEU movies. And I leave Joker out of that because Joker is is not technically DCEU or in the words of uh, our beloved John Schnepp, the DCFU, the DC film universe. That's what he used to call it, the DCFU, which I always thought was funny. Um, Wonder Woman was the one I liked the most. This to me, I thought the first one was better than this one. So I'm just going to say that. But. Did you watch the movie I told you you should watch over the weekend? Soul. I have not watched yet. I do have Disney Plus, but I have not. It was watched. it was a pretty good movie. I'm going to be honest. It wasn't quite what I thought it was going to be like. Did you ever see Coco? The, the pic- Coco? No, yeah. I actually never saw Coco. Well, that's a great movie. That's a great movie. If you don't at least tear up during that movie, you officially have I've no heard soul. good things about it, yeah. but I haven't seen it. Yeah, I thought it was going to be like that, and it wasn't, but it was still a really good movie. And I'm telling you right now, I know I've said this before, they made a joke about the New York Knicks that had me fucking dying. It was really funny. It was so unexpected. And Tina Fey, the two main voices in this movie are Jamie Foxx and Tina Fey. Tina Fey gives probably the best animated sidekick performance since Ellen DeGeneres in Finding Dory or Finding Nemo, rather. Like she's that good. Okay. She was really good in that movie. I, I that's like if you got to watch pick between the two, I, I would pick Soul. Honestly, I thought Soul was a better movie. Yeah. All right. And That's I want to say, no, I am going to check it out eventually. But to go back to your Nick joke there, how much of a joke is it that both Toppin and Quickly are already hurt? Yeah, don't you love that? Don't you love that? No, yeah. I don't love it. I want to see these. Well, I'm guys. being, They're I'm being sarcastic, crazy. but yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, but how do they still beat the Bucks on Sunday night? Even with them both hurt, they they beat the Bucks by like thirty points. I think this team is going to be a better team under Thibodeau. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. That's, but um, that's say- where I think it's going to come in. Instead of this team being a 17 win absolute laughing stock, I could see them being a 32 win team or a 34 win team that starts to show some promise. Yeah, I, mean, I think I- Thibodeau is going to have them playing tougher. I think Thibodeau is going to actually have them playing a little bit of defense by the end of the year or the end of the season. I think that, you know, he is the guy that was going to bring the change and he does know how to develop young talent. So 
I I think that they're going to do pretty well here with with Thibodeau. Um, well, I, I, and when I say pretty well, not necessarily championship or even playoffs, but just developing some of the talent they have and not necessarily being the league laughing stock they've become to be. Well, I think a lot of that is going to be on Knox and R.J. Barrett, truthfully. If they're able to develop a little bit under Thibodeau, at least show some people that there's some hope for those guys. Yeah, I mean, like, listen, I, there's I, some really good young talent. If you took quickly – and Robinson and Barrett and Knox and 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 uh and and Toppin. Toppin. I mean, that's five young guys that you've gotten in the last couple of years that really should you you they need to start showing some development. I know they're all young. They come out into the they come out of the draft young, but um, it is about that time. But I think they have a guy there that can d- develop that talent. Well, they all have their correct numbers on though. That's the question. Because leave it to the Knicks. I don't remember which guy in the Knicks did it. Bullock, right? I think Reggie Bullock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Bullock. What? He had he had 23 on the front, 25 on the back? Yep. <laughs> how do you do that? How, how do you do that exactly? I've never heard of that before in my life. I don't even know. Yeah. That's an equipment failure on a level that I've never seen. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you there. And um, then for him to not notice, or or I don't know if he didn't notice and then realize that, well, shit, I don't have another jersey to change into. Like, I kind of yeah. got to roll with this as stupid as it looks. <laughs> At least he didn't dunk on his own basket. Because I imagine he... when you're in the locker room, somebody had to have been like, dude, <laughs> that, did you did you look in the mirror? Like I can't imagine that he made it all the way out to the court through warm ups and everything, and nobody like nobody would have tried to have fixed it if they could have. I just think that they couldn't because they were just screwed for that night, and you know, figured it out. Yeah, I I don't know though. I'm yeah. I'm kind of weirded out by it. You're weird. Yeah, I mean the the the. Um... The saying is LOL Mets, but in situations like this, it's LOL Knicks. So I'll say that. You know, yeah, it is a very Knicksy thing, but yeah. I do appreciate seeing at least, you know, so, some heart out of this team and, you know, beating a team like the Bucks, even though it's early in the season. And to be honest, the Bucks probably didn't take them very seriously. I still think that it's it's shows a little bit of building, and I hope that they continue to do that. Like I said, I don't think they're a playoff team but I think they are going to be a, a much improved team and a better watch. I mean, to be honest, for the last couple of years, the Knicks have just been hard to watch. Like Only the last couple of years? Well, I mean, specifically, like, really the last couple of years. I mean, it's just gotten harder and harder, really. I mean, the last fun year I had watching the Knicks was that year that the Woodson had won the 50 games with Melo and whatever, and they went to the playoffs and got bumped. That's probably the most fun I've had as a Knicks fan since, you know, 2000. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, there isn't much fun to be had here with this team, but at least they did have that one year a couple years back. So, I mean, there's something to hold on to there. I at least have a memory of them having a winning season. But other than that, it's been few and far between. But I think Thibodeau could be a good guy to help turn that corner. At least it seems to be that way to start. I'm hoping that they could kind of take a Nets approach here of having a young team, developing some of that young talent. And then once that young talent actually gets to some kind of notoriety and they start getting a little bit of notice, that's when you can start attracting those free agents. 
that's kind of what happened with the Nets is they were able to, to get guys like Dinwiddie and whatever, and they were able to develop the talent to show that, hey, listen, well, they're already a winning team. They were able to make the playoffs. Well, if we go there, we could take this team to be a championship team. You know, and that's the way Kyrie and Durant and those guys felt when they went there, you know. So well, maybe something similar could happen with the Knicks if, if they could start to hit on guys like Toppin and quickly and, they, and Barrett turns around and, and Knox shows a little bit of improvement. And to be honest, everybody thinks Mitchell Robinson's going to be a pretty decent guy. So I, already, you know, from what you've seen out of him, He's got to take. He's got to take a big step forward this year, though. In yeah, my but he can still be a solid double double. Oh, I'm not, I'm not, I mean, like I'm a, not a defense, that. like just, shot blocker. You know, I'm never going to expect him to control the ball and be a, like a big time guy down in the paint. But if he can play that hard nosed defense, if he can get those rebounds, block those shots, do what's needed to do. Uh, you know, do do that hard nosed work because every team needs one of those guys. If he could be that guy. Maybe that's the guy they need. And again, I don't think he has to develop too much further to become that guy. Yes, his shot could get better. Yes, he could he could he could be better. He could be smarter. Can I can work on the fouls and this and that. But I I think that there's promise with this team, and I think they finally have that that development. I think you're going to start to see more, and you're going to hear a lot less of James Dolan's name. I think that's going to be the main thing that this is going to transition to be much more of the way that he runs the Rangers and how you don't hear much out of him with the Rangers. I think you're not going to hear much out of him with the Knicks. I think a lot of stuff is going to fall on uh, Rose and uh, um, World Wide West. I think a lot of it's going to fall on, you know, uh, Thibodeau. And I think you're going to start to hear a lot less about James Dolan and the dysfunction of James Dolan. You're going to start to hear a lot more about, hey, wow, this team's starting to progress. Hey, maybe they actually do have a little bit of talent. Hey, you know, and I think that there is some some things that can go on there. Well, listen, you know my feeling on that one. But I want to say this, and this is a total pipe dream, but I want to go back to something you said right there. You want to see the Knicks develop the solid young nucleus to the point where they can attract the big name superstars. And this is something I've changed my stance on over the last few years. I really wish we lived in an NBA that wasn't so superstar driven that we could get a team that is just built on solid young players and solid chemistry to the point where they didn't necessarily need the big superstar to be considered a legitimate contender. Because you look at the Nets and what they had built there. And yeah, everybody's gaga over the Nets right now with Kyrie and Durant and everything. And that's great and everything. But you look at the chemistry that they had developed with Atkinson as the coach. And, uh, you know, Russell was coming into form and Levert and all those guys. And I wish that we lived in an NBA where that type of team could be considered a legitimate contender without needing one or two superstars for everybody to take notice. We don't live in that NBA. I've resigned myself to that fact, but I really wish we lived in a world where it was just all about developing your young core, developing team chemistry and something good could come of it. Don't you? Yeah. I mean, listen, that's uh, that sounds like a, a, a nice, nice fancy. It's a nice thought, isn't it? Yeah, it's a, it's a nice thought. It is. Yeah. 
Be nice I've, to live in that world. Listen, I've resigned my I, you know, I've changed my stance on this one over the last three or four years. At one point, I really thought that it was possible that it could happen. Now I recognize it's a total pipe dream, but I think that fact kind of sucks. All right. With that, do you have anything else you wanted to bring up tonight, sir? No, we hit on everything that I, I was looking to talk about. I, I sent you guys that stuff I was kind of kind of seeing, you know, the last day or two, kind of sent over to you guys earlier, and we kind of hit on it all. So mm. kind of good. I mean, we even hit on a little bit of baseball stuff, a little free what? agency, I'm hit on a little basketball. I mean, I don't really have anything else for the start of basketball season here for you. Yeah, so, no, yeah, I don't. I don't really. Well, let me about- let me ask you. Let me ask you. I'm go back to movies a little bit. This year has just been funny in terms of movies that actually came out this year because I feel like normally I would watch like thirty or forty movies that come out that year a year, and this year I've seen like three of the movies that have come out this year. What would you say the best movie you saw out of them was? I got to be honest. I don't know if I've you seen probably only either. saw like three movies that came out this year, right? I don't know if I even saw that many. <laughs> I don't think I saw anything since the pandemic started. And I'm trying to think pre-pandemic, there was like Birds of Prey. Bad Boys 3. I never 3. went to the theater to see that. Yeah, Bad Boys 3. Didn't see that one either. That was, pretty, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. That's one I really do want to see. Yeah. It's on a watch list for me, but I, I just haven't haven't yet. That's um, that's that's worth it. I'm not gonna lie. That was actually worth it. I saw that in the, in the theater back in January. That was actually a pretty good movie. It was pretty good. I'll tell you better this. Better than the second one. I like yes. three. I like the first two. So you I like both of them. So I mean, yeah. I don't. You're not gonna insult me if you say you like one better than the other. I, you know what's funny, man? I don't think I've ever seen the first one the whole way through. The second, really? yeah, I don't think I've ever seen that one the whole way through. The second one was my first year working at a movie theater back in 2003, though. So I definitely saw that one. That was one of those movies that didn't hold up on a second viewing to me. This one I thought was better than that. It was actually, it felt, it didn't feel so um, thin in terms of the story. Like, honestly, there was something underneath it. And that's what I liked about it, because you could tell Michael Bay didn't direct the movie. So it, it was good. It was I, I would probably put this above uh, the second one. Put this above the second one. Does See, the second... I think they all hold up. So I'm surprised to hear this say that you don't think that the, the second one holds up under another viewing. I don't know what it was, but I know when I first saw that in the theater, I really loved it and everything. And then I bought it on DVD. And I... it's also the fact that movie is two and a half hours long. And that movie don't need to be that long. You get an hour and a half into it and be like, holy shit, this movie still has an hour left. The fuck for? So that was part of it. That was part of it. That was part of it. This was this was a little more streamlined. I I like this one a lot better. And there's also something happens in this movie that you don't see coming. And it's pretty good. And the way they incorporated the new characters into this movie, it was it was pretty good. It was pretty good. I like that. Um, I'll tell you this, though. I think the, my favorite movie that I saw this season, and again, I get to bring this movie up because I have to sit through you bringing up The Masked Singer every other week. Uh, the best movie I saw. I didn't know The Wire came out with a movie. But um, boom, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. I'll give you that. No, Hamilton. Hamilton was the best movie I saw this year. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I've seen that movie a few times. And I, and I say that because Cousin David's in the room, and Cousin David didn't like it. Him and his wife, they, they didn't like that movie. They're the only ones in my family who don't like that movie, though. Hamilton? Ever, Hamilton, yeah. They don't, they don't like it. Cousin I've David, never seen it. Yeah, I know. You should watch that movie. You have Disney+. Plus. You have no excuse not to. It's worth it. I'll just say that. It's worth it. You and your wife would like that movie. You like the mass Singer. You like that movie. Do you watch that mass Dancer spinoff that I've heard they no, have? No, that's crap. That's, that's crap. crap. Yeah, the mass the mass Singer is much better. Okay. I mean, remember, you saying something like that to me, it's like multiplying by zero. But okay. I'll give you on that. It's, I, no, maybe... the mass Dancer is crap because yeah, that's just a crap show. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right, with that, I think we'll wrap it up for tonight. So, Eric Tressler, you have yourself a good New Year, my friend. Do you have any last words? No, happy New Year. <laughs> you too. Stay sweaty, my friend. Stay sweaty. Mm-hmm. So, I am your host, Mike Aglioloro. For Dave Hastings, Larry Schmelrose, Eric Tressler, thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you for being with us this whole year. Everybody listening on all our podcasting outlets, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Anchor, Bullhorn. Thank you again. We'll see you all in 2021. Thank you all for listening, and we will see you all next year.